0: Hi, it's Jake from this show. Before we begin, let's hear a word from our friends over at the podcast Hardly Paranormal. Take it away, guys.
1: Hey, how does Bigfoot tell time? I don't know. How? He checks his Sasquatch. <laughs> I'm Jerry. And I'm Lacey, and we're the hosts of the Hardly Paranormal podcast, where every week we examine cases of the strange and unusual and try to find out what's really going on. Is the Black Monk of Pontefract just a trick of the eye? Could the Loveland Frogman just be a deformed iguana? What
0: about Will of the Wisps?
1: Poltergeists. Leprechauns? Gateways to
0: hell? We examine them all and more, and discuss if they're real or if they're hardly paranormal. Catch us every week wherever podcasts are available. And remember, it's probably just the wind. What do ghosts wear to formal events? (laughs) Boo ties! (laughs) Boo ties! (laughs) Ha <laughs>
1: yeah no it's going okay it's still pretty hot here we had our big old tropical storm yesterday yeah isaiah is that right isaiah and we caught sort of the skirt hem of it <laughs> the very edge and we managed to get through it without losing power oh good which is a lot better than even folks just up and down the street from us so i wow. cannot complain yeah and now today it's warm again but not too bad and uh yeah a very fun update <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's just been sunny in the seventies, low seventies all uh all week so far. God damn you. <laughs> I want that. I want that experience. hmm For any out of the US listeners, uh seventies Fahrenheit is about two hundred ninety-five Kelvin. Helpful information.
1: <laughs> but of course enough about North America. The reason we're here today is a uh, reason very much tied to the Welcome month to of Super August. New
0: Superstitious. <laughs> the
1: Paranormal <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> about the science of the strange i'm wyatt i'm
0: jake well it's august around the world world, world exactly. around it august in it we did all it last the way year. around the world we're going places um, why continue the thing you're trying to say that i interrupted
1: yes for folks who are just tuning in now every august since last august <laughs> jake and i take this month as an opportunity to travel around the world something we never do regularly with a show something that we (laughs) uh you know have to kind of get out of our comfort zone to attempt
0: and more importantly now something that is actually impossible
1: to do in person a very good point yeah we we actually have uh four tickets uh we'll use one each every week to travel to another destination you guessed it on earth oh okay (laughs) (laughs)
0: shut up jake and the pause was very pregnant i didn't know it was gonna happen
1: well i got bad news for you buddy <laughs> and uh what the hell am i saying this this week well should we talk about all four places we're going or should we keep everyone in suspense we'll keep them in suspense we'll, we'll say what the next one is like just the week prior but then leave it at that okay that sounds great this week we are headed to the middle east mm-hmm Which, collectively, we're talking, and Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. Egypt, Iran, and Turkey, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Qatar, Bahrain, Syria, Yemen, Oman, Afghanistan, Lebanon, Palestine, Israel, and Jordan. I believe that is correct. I do think it's Qatar. I always thought it was Qatar, but I think it's Qatar. Qatar. My apologies, anyone listening in Qatar, if I have said Qatar like a
0: two-dimensional white guy in America. um, I'm being corrected that it's actually Qatar. I thought, Cutter. What, I thought that's what I said, but I guess I d- didn't say that.
1: Like the white bread we are, yes. both of us getting it somewhat wrong. Yes. And so some folks will extend this range further south and west, of course, into Sudan and Libya. We are, as it happens, recording this just one day after a very large explosion rocked downtown Beirut Yes,
0: on August 4th. And we will have some links for relief funds at the end of the episode. They'll be in the description at the top. We'll get to it more later on. Anything you can do to help is very much appreciated we'll 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 discuss that more later hmm for now, I think it's up to you to get first into uh the august around the world
1: thing. Allow me to do just that so Dr Rahil ahmad Siddiqui will be my cold open today writing in the news dot com a pakistani uh outlet in December. 2013, I got a chance to visit the Kalash Valleys in the Chitral region of Pakistan, along with Shaib Jadoon, the dynamic deputy commissioner of that area. I was there with a view to meet the Kalash people and look into helping them improve the flow of tourists in the region. That day, I visited, among other places, the burial ground of the Kafirs. There, weather-borne coffins of the dead were haphazardly placed. Preferred to have them be coffins of the dead rather than coffins of the living, yes. am I right? <laughs> Haphazardly placed, many of them broken due to vandalism, while others were falling to pieces from age. We were led to an unusual grave, that of a zoologist and a Spanish Kafir, rather than local kalash. Jordi Frederico Magrané, born in Catalan, Spain in June 1967, was among the leading cryptozoologists of the world in his day. Magarnae came to Chitral in 1992 in search of Barmanu, or Barmanu, excuse me, the Pakistani equivalent of the abominable snowman. Yes, Jake, I'm going there. <laughs> Aided by his team, he combed the wild heights of the Hindu Kush, searching for scientific evidence regarding the presence of this legendary creature. Magarnae wandered for weeks, crossing from the valleys of Kafiristan into the neighboring province of Nuristan in Afghanistan. In May 1994, during his trek to the Shishiku Valley in the Chitral, Jordi Magernay, Dr. Anne Malassand, and another associate, all Europeans, reportedly heard two series of unusual guttural sounds that could have been made, in their opinion, only by a primitive primate voice box. Hmm. Unfortunately, it was late in the evening, and, in fading light, it was not possible to follow the creature making the calls. The team tracked down witnesses, however each of whom claimed to have seen the foul-smelling animal that made the sounds. The Barmanu is a bipedal humanoid primate cryptid said to live in the mountainous region of northwestern Pakistan and has been sighted most often in the Chitral and Karakoram ranges between the Pamirs and Himalaya. It thus occupies a range between two other similar cryptids, the Almas of Central Asia mm-hmm. and the Yeti of the Himalayas. Yeah. So that's the bit of the article that he wrote that I have excised. This is now drawing from a number of websites, but here we go. Magrune and further investigative efforts. So basically my segment today is about Magrune's efforts to research the Barmanu, or Barmanu, I keep going back and forth. Barman University. Barmanu. <laughs> and because I think it is a cool tale of someone trying to do it right given what they had at their disposal and their understanding of what they were going after at the time. Mm-hmm. So, Jake, do you first of all, do you already know this creature? Do you already know this tale? I do not. Have you heard of Magernet? Uh No, I haven't. Neither had I. Magrune interviewed 29 witnesses uh, who reported 31 sightings of the Barmanu. He created sketches from these accounts and even collected casts of footprints. When members of his expedition asked eyewitnesses to choose which of a set of hairy hominids most resembled the Barmanu, the image most often selected was that of the legendary but ultimately hoaxed Minnesota Iceman, which at the time was still wi- widely accepted as a valid specimen. Hmm. Um, I don't know if we've talked about the Iceman on this show so, yet no. or not. Um, I probably should have looked up more <laughs> of its specific story. <laughs>
0: Well, we can say that for another time. I could, I could, uh, we could, the, I could go the, visit the, the Iceman.
1: <laughs> that would be actually pretty fun. Broad strokes folks emerge with this body encased in ice that looks for all the world like a hairy hominid a la Homo erectus style, slightly somewhere between what would appear to be more of a primitive ape and man, mm-hmm. and caused a huge splash, uh, for a very long time. Folks were convinced of its reality, but, uh, it has never been fully verified, and anyone who's ever come into possession of it is extremely squirrely, so it's essentially hoax by default. Hmm. However, at the time, anyone who had taken a look at it was pretty convinced of it, um, but it was still a pretty small community of folks who even gave it the time of day. But uh, Magrene was thrilled at this because he figured, well, here's at least one piece of major evidence. How can we find more? Mm-hmm. Magrani met, unfortunately, a tragic end in northern Pakistan. He and one of his traveling companions were found murdered in a case that remains unsolved to this day. Though his work was certainly incomplete, he did leave behind at least one published paper on his extensive efforts in the region entitled Oral Statements Concerning Living Unknown Hominids, Analysis, Criticism, and Implications for Language Origins. And I'll be drawing on that for a good chunk of the rest of my segment.
0: Alrighty, righty. Jake, so far your thoughts? So far sounds like prime Wyatt stuff. Uh, <laughs> I'm prepared to be skeptical of everything I hear about it, and I'm interested to learn more.
1: I would uh, I would expect no less. <laughs> so, Magrini writes in his introduction, Without a scientific background... The mention of oral statements about the existence of apparently unknown hominids, different from anatomically modern Homo sapiens, often gives rise to suspicion. Jake. <laughs> this is legitimate. Only a systematic study conducted in a rigorous way can allow scientific inferences about these unknown hominids. He goes on about the fact that a lack of structure to support such research or to share the limited findings in that area only make additional efforts to investigate those kinds of cryptozoological phenomena that much harder. After this, he begins to qualify his uh, his pursuits. Quote, Contrary to the stories which travel around the world, the consistency of the Central Asian statements and their analyses show that they may well go beyond folklore and myths. In this case, despite the important heterogeneity of the witnesses, many of the descriptions stay homogeneous. In other words, he found accounts of this uh, purported creature to be so consistent from report to report regardless of socioeconomic background that they, for him, suggested greater likelihood of something really real. Hmm. He continues, it was necessary, yeah, (laughs) boo, Um, it was necessary to work out a scrupulous and methodic approach before reaching an opinion on this problem it occurred to us to collect new oral statements, this time with a full scientific method specific of zoological investigations. These elements include, on the one hand, the study of the ecological and human background, and, on the other, the use of an analytical system applicable to these oral statements. So, as I already mentioned in Magranae's time, the Minnesota Iceman was still widely accepted as a basically legitimate, if highly novel, specimen of a sort of new hairy hominid. Mm-hmm. um. And he describes how he aims to structure his study to explore evidence of this creature's physical qualities in eyewitnesses from the Pakistan mountains. So we found one. Can we find evidence of things like this in these reports? Hmm. He keeps only firsthand and so-called direct informant accounts, which were those told secondhand by an acquaintance of the actual eyewitness. So basically a person who heard it from the person who actually saw it. They collect all reasonable personal information from the witnesses, check their stories for spontaneity, so, you know, how much of the details are just offered up right off the cuff rather than needing, like, oh, well, where were you? Oh, now that you mentioned that, I was like, in the woods. Well, you're fucking lying. Um, <laughs> they grill the witnesses with a 63-point anatomical questionnaire.
0: What if they just poke them in 63 parts of their body and that makes them say certain things?
1: <laughs> Head, foot, hand, hand again. Um... Which I was going to say was 61 questions about the penis, and two about <laughs> hairiness. That um, is
0: more more true of uh, cryptozoology, I think, yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, but really, how big was it? Um, <laughs> and they then provide a lineup of pictures for people to pick through for positive proximate ID. So essentially, can you point to the hairy hominid that hurt you? <laughs> Um, I have honestly no idea how much they were asking sort of the leading or priming questions versus Mm -hmm. how much they may have attempted to throw witnesses off of their own stories to check for more, you know, automatic or spontaneous corrections, which is a great way of catching a lie. Mm -hmm. So, you know, someone's telling you a tale and you ask them a a question about details of that story that are, that is intentionally wrong or misleading or gets the facts, different from how they put it the first time to see if they go no 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 i didn't say that i said this and then you go oh okay well clearly something might have happened versus if they're lying they might go oh yeah 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 that's what i said
0: it's something that manuel Navarrete likes to do with his investigation of so he's met them at the chicago but only when following up on like emails he has received like oh did you say this like well no i wrote this right exactly really quite as rigorous as it sounds (laughs) in that kind of way of using it did you use Google to send this
1: email? Uh, regardless, that is versus asking leading or priming questions, which is more so along the lines of how hairy was this creature that you saw? Well, mm-hmm. very hairy versus was it even necessarily hairy? Or or when you saw this bipedal ape, what did it do next? These th- kinds of things that could suggest to someone who wasn't sure about what they saw or or puts details into the story that would be better off offered by the purported witness.
0: Does that make sense? When did you stop beating this cryptid? <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. So they collate this data set to allow for a pretty cool meta-analysis of basically sociocultural, folkloric, and, they argue, biological information. Hmm. So they're able to sort of get a profile of the people telling the story, the mythology around that story, and then what they take to be consistent sort of objective details from person to person, both about the place they were in and the thing that they think they saw that um, gives them a chance to do this sort of a stratified dive. So we can read just some of the results. Quote, The name given to the wild man varies according to the area. The Chitrali call them Yungali Mosh, or Man of the Forest, or Wild Man. The name Almasti, the one who eats a lot, is rare. I did not uh, that's what that translated to apparently so the most common name in the south is the barmanu quote the strong or muscular man and is etymologically close to the hindi word ban manas or perhaps the pronunciation is the same meaning man of the forest we have 27 stories in our possession 21 of which come from direct uh, observers and six from direct informants in all 29 people have witnessed 31 contacts with wild hairy men 24 encounters, and 7 traces of these creatures observed. The adult informants are between 24 and 70 years old. More than 90% of the stories relate experiences over the past 20 years, including 60% during the last 5, of which 3 date from 1990. This Hmm. increase in the number of reports is due to a massive arrival uh, over the last 20 years of user Nomads, in fact, 69% of the witnesses, nice, are, uh, or 20, are shepherds. 15 of these are usures, meaning 52% of all witnesses are user. The greater parts of the encounters occur in the forest areas of the Chitral district, specifically 26 of 31. The most frequent are in the resinous forests, followed by cedar and fir tree woods, They are mainly located between altitudes of 1,500 and 4,500 meters, especially between uh, 2,000 and 3,000 meters. Encounters are rare in the winter, although there are always people in the highlands, even if in smaller numbers. The explanation for this may be that the local population is less exposed to such occurrences during winter or because the wild people tend to migrate during that season. All collected physical characteristics and iconographic indicators chosen by the witnesses are in accordance with one another, systematically the oral statements stress the human appearances permanent bipedalism and abundant pelosity aka hairlessness hmm. or sorry hairiness <laughs> you're <They're> completely hairless <laughs> it's so smooth so smooth as an egg um abundant pelosity on the body except for the face and knees the voice is strong the expression contains some cries and guttural sounds without identifiable articulate speech We can add to the witness statements a personal field analysis of the perception of sounds attributable to the sought-after hominids. Cries have been heard twice in 1988 in the mountain forest of Chitral. These sounds were uttered at nightfall. They were very powerful and echoed through the mountains like plaintive human calls. The voices were rather guttural and high-pitched. Their tone called to mind a teenager or a woman. Hmm. The emissions of sound lasted less than one minute, so we had no time to record the cries. He goes on to speculate on the possible taxonomic history of this group uh, for quite some time and to contemplate their apparent lack of articulate speech. From what I read of these sort of lengthier sections, he was clearly attempting to make his case in earnest. um, Very plain language and many citations, but we can cut to his conclusions. Quote, there are two ways of interpreting these stories. Either the stories are made up and totally imagined as prompted by oral tradition, or they describe a reality that does not belong to the witness's makeup. The arguments which enable us to discuss the relative weight of each of these two interpretations concern, on the the one hand, the consistency between the various stories, and, on the other, the consistency between the environment and the conditions allowing wild human populations to exist— It is to be recalled that the stories also coincide with the scientific descriptions for the regions north of Chitral, those of the Tibetan Dictionary, concerning which Vleck, who is another researcher, notes the strict accuracy of the descriptions for each species and the absence of all imaginary beasts, as well as the stories of Soviet scientific and military travelers in Pamir. So he's referring to basically, it's like another flavor of indigenous people, only ever talked about the things in their environment kind of vibes, but he's now mapping that to uh, the Tibetan dictionary. So essentially he's saying everything in that dictionary is something you can find in the environment. The one thing that stands out is mention of these creatures or a Hmm. version of them. Okay. Um, And then he's saying, Hey, look, I'm also not the only guy who is interested in this. There are Soviet uh, scientists and military um in the same region who have also mentioned or looked into this phenomenon. Right. And then he finishes a third scientific expedition will try to resolve the origin of the oral statements. Um so yeah, and I can show you his little doodles, which are cute, kind of sure. a typical fair.
0: Ooh, that's fun. Oh wow. He
1: drew these <laughs> himself based on witness accounts.
0: <laughs> he uh it's just very specific details always included in this kind of stuff. Upon which you are zooming in more. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
1: the feet specifically
0: okay yep that's exactly what i was referring to
1: you're referring to the feet Uh uh-huh
0: pretty pigeon toed pretty pigeon toed and uh (laughs) weird displayed feet (laughs) yep and we're not looking at anything else in this image right now um but yeah there you have it (laughs) the barmanu or barmanu or barman university um, Very cool and interesting. I know I like that. It's it's cool to have yet another kind of take on this kind of tale from from a different region. Indeed, it's fun seeing the uh, extent to which you will stretch the theme to fit what you need for your story to be, to be <laughs> an option. Uh, no, Pakistan is is included in what is considered the Greater Middle East, so that does still work for the theme. <laughs> it started
1: in <laughs> Afghanistan, my <by>
0: defense. Okay. <laughs> 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 but no it's very very cool and as i have said before regarding yeti i will admit to being open to the possibility of old world uh wild man type upright bright ape things only because there are actually great apes in the old world as opposed to north and south america and yeah we have everything from um chimpanzees bonobos gorillas in africa all the way to Indonesia having, um, you mentioned Man of the Forest, the old man of the forest, Orang mm-hmm. Utan. Mm-hmm. Um, Orangutans live down there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's there could be stuff in between, maybe. And as ever, I will take your inch and raise
1: <laughs> you a mile. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, but there you have
0: it. Very good stuff. Thank you for sharing. Oh, you're so welcome. Before we move on, it's long past time that we are due thank some patrons oh oh yes so let us uh bust out this old nc machine <laughs> oh my god jake <laughs> and we'll turn on the pander function which of course stands for patron appreciation neural dive for evaluation of risk oh look at you go so we'll flick it on there it goes oh yeah Boy, uh, having a little trouble turning on today it's been too long since we last used it We'll take these wire tendril things and plug them into the backs of our skulls. That's right. Okay, there it is. All right. I feel that. <laughs> and, um, yeah, what we're going to do is focus on one of the patrons of our Patreon who supports us monetarily to make this show. And it's going to help, this machine's going to help us calculate uh, very methodically what cryptid creature folkloric being in the world they need to be on the lookout for. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So we are going to focus together on Adrian Ramirez. Ramirez, yes. Adrian Ramirez. All right, Adrian. Adrian, you need to keep an eye or two peeled for (sighs) the Flather
1: Moose? Flather Moose?
0: I'm going to say fleeter moose only because that's fleeter German for, for, for bat. But Flying,
1: yes. It says the tide AKA mouse. The tide mouse, as we all
0: know. Yeah, the the tide mouse mostly dwells on the ocean floor, preferably at great depths. It is shaped apparently like a field mouse, only larger. Mm-hmm. hmm It needs silver, some say gold, <laughs> uh, in order to survive and only come to shore if great tidings are afoot. So... If you see one of these, it means something going is going well. down and it needs precious metals. It will eat your precious
1: metals, presumably. Uh, whether that leaves you scathed or unscathed <laughs> is <laughs> well, up for up debate. to you, Adrian. However, it is important to remember that if you are able to capture the Tide Mouse, remember they are like a field mouse, only larger. How much larger? Who knows? You will have good fortune.
0: Mm-hmm. Put it in a Tupperware. Immediately. Um, pour seawater over it. And uh, then put uh, a silver or gold coin inside of the Tupperware. A day later, another coin of equal value will have appeared alongside it. Which
1: begs the question why do they even need to forage for food if <laughs>
0: they make things more will of simply
1: it? replicate. But that is not a question.
0: We don't argue with the NCAA nope. of what it tells us.
1: No, indeed. I'm surprised they even had that independent thought while the machine uh-huh. was plugged in uh yeah be on the lookout and thank you so much for your support thank you
0: very much hopefully you do and do not run into the flader moose, and hopefully when you find out how much bigger it is than a field mouse it will uh be fine (laughs) could have could have put it better (laughs) myself (laughs) yeah no we appreciate your support uh anyone who wants to support our goofy old show at our patreon for any amount at all as low as a dollar you will have your name entered into a little uh, kind of computer algorithm pool, yeah. and the machine
1: will begin immediately calculating. It takes a very long time for the calculations to complete, and so yes, uh, that is why we can usually only do about one or two per episode, if that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not because we forgot. And <laughs> it will, yeah, generate... All the stuff that happens. It's great. You know what I mean. All the rest of that fucking shit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And it does not involve us hitting the random page function on the cryptids, wiki of that. Which would be... Is... Absurd. Uh-huh. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, Jake, with that said, dare we uh, talk about one of the world's best local beers?
0: Oh, I think you probably should, yeah, because I forgot... Should we do
1: that mid-roll, or should we do that uh, at the old uh, tail end of this whole weird train? Let's do it right now. Okay. Let me pull up my notes because I don't trust
0: myself to construct sentences independently That's fine. today. I never have notes for this. I'm not sure where... Did you have... Did Drew give you copy originally?
1: Nope. I just generated that and then Uh-oh. I didn't do anything else.
0: Oh, well, I didn't even do that. So you're doing better than I am.
1: Hey, what you going to do? Who are you going to call? Both of us.
0: <laughs> I, of course, am talking
1: about... And Jake, please do not do it with me today. <laughs> A brewery that combines elements of... D&D, medium beer. to heavy metal, beer. and, of course, beer. 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 I heard it somewhere. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if Jake said yeah. it. Saw his mouth Ten move. Me. Saw the lips forming the shape of the word beer. <laughs> but pretty sure I just heard it before I said it. To make something I personally like to refer to as good-ass beer. <laughs> and if you're in the New England area and considering purchasing such a brewed beverage Consider buying four Phantoms. All four of them. Every single one. They've recently released their 2020 version of Poiple Potion, which is purple potion when you're not (laughs) speaking in a weird voice. It's a berry-charged, super-cool sour, and uh, anyone looking to have their cheeks, as I've said numerous times now, physically squeezed. (laughs) I cannot stress enough how
0: painful and pleasurable this is. (laughs) A realm beyond pain and pleasure. To open the can, you do have to solve the lament configuration.
1: So Google that. um, (laughs) And if you're a little wary of going out to the stores, but are uh, within driving distance of Western Massachusetts, (laughs) aka Western Massachusetts, Four (laughs) Phantoms is available for curbside pickup. Otherwise, as ever, please access the most complex (laughs) review
0: page in the history of man... (laughs) untapped.com i've started to make some headway i think i was able to see some reviews but i didn't see any that were obviously from listeners and i i realized a flaw in our original thing saying we would read your reviews if you put them there i don't know how to know who's who's actually listeners
1: say super duper stich has sent you uh maybe cc us in your review (laughs) so that untapped (laughs) sends us an email from their comment section
0: (laughs) because that's probably how that works
1: and um we'll check it out hopefully it's good enough that we read it if not you know fuck you
0: and uh Support yeah check out for four phantoms. phantoms
1: thank you guys very much <laughs>
0: bye goodbye and hello again welcome to my segment
1: Oh, hello. I uh, he was already unplugging my headphones. <laughs> Somehow you heard me though. <laughs> Mysterious, just like I heard the
0: word beer when
1: I shouldn't have. <laughs> Carry on, Jake. Take us away.
0: we Far doing, far away. We're doing far away to the Middle East, which is what we're doing for today. You may be surprised to find out that I did not take the obvious opportunity to talk about the ghoul. Once again, I'm appointed.
1: I'm appointed. Oh, I'm disappointed. Sorry, <laughs> disappointed.
0: Uh, but don't worry; that surprise or appointment will immediately vanish when you find that after what seems like forever, I am back to reading Reddit stuff again. Ah, uh, yes. So here's a little bit of that. There are other sites, you know. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's the front page of the internet. Why do they say <laughs> so themselves? You have landing
1: page. Your opening
0: homepage. <laughs> Oh my god, carry on. No, their tagline is at the front li- uh, the front page of the internet. For real? Yeah. Shows how much I go on Reddit. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> so this, uh, again, we chose this topic or this geographic kind of like order of operations here for the month of August uh, before this week. Just keeping that in mind for this story, which begins with the sentence, we are Lebanese and live abroad. A couple of years ago, we visited Lebanon for vacation. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Yes. We went to a friend's house, which is located on top of the edge of a valley in the southern part of Lebanon. The valley is completely dark at night, and we're all sitting on the balcony, enjoying the nice breeze and good company. We were talking, and I re- remarked how creepy the valley is at night. Turns out our friend has a story, and the valley has secrets. Ooh. My friend's grandparents were farmers and frequently went for walks in the valley for some shade during the day. One time, his grandmother was trailing behind his grandfather, and she heard a rustling behind her. She turned around and she saw a massive black dog, but something about it was giving her bad vibes. She shouted to her husband to look at the dog, but he kept walking, didn't turn back, and told her to do the same. He told her if she ever saw this dog in the valley and she was alone to never look at it or interact with it. The dog left after a while, and he told her that this dog is not actually a dog, but something else that guards the valley. Hmm. It is not friendly and wants people to stay away from there. Hmm. The valley is huge. A man from the village had entered it years ago, and he found the opening of a cave. This was during the mm. 50s or 60s. If you're not familiar with Lebanon, it's full of underground caves, as opposed to above-ground caves, uh, grottos, and valleys. It's mountainous, mm-hmm. and they still find artifacts of ancient civilizations until today. Now, the cave was in plain sight. The guy had never seen it before, and suddenly, there it was, open and inviting. Ugh. So the man enters the cave, and is met by a sight that makes him freeze. As far as the eye could see... There was gold and various treasures, long vases, incense holders, the works. Mm -hmm. What really stood out were the massive gold-slash-bronze statues of upright bulls with horns, a deity perhaps. Uh, Lebanon is part of the land of the ancient Canaanites who worshipped Moloch, symbolized by a bull, and Baal, among other gods. So, the man, understandably shocked, excited, and thinking he found the treasure of the century, runs out of the cave and into the village to lead everyone to what he saw. A group of men followed him, and he took them to the place where the cave was. Now, the entire village had been in the valley at some point. Nobody ever saw a cave. Mm. But the guy was adamant that he found riches that everyone had to see. Uh, This man was neither insane nor drunk. He was a respectable man from the village with a solid reputation and a family. There was nothing. He was met by solid rock. There was no cave, no opening, no gold, no ten-foot bowls, nothing. The guy swore up and down, near hysterical, that he was there but he entered, it with his own, uh, that he entered it with his own two feet. He with kept his insisting, own eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, entered it with his own two eyes. <laughs> he, uh, he kept insisting that it was there and frantically looked all over, swearing on the Quran that he saw it, but there was nothing, so they couldn't really do anything but leave. If you're familiar with stories of the jinn, they are often summoned for different things. Some like to taunt people, some of them do favors for a price. Some of them choose people to uncover hidden treasures and riches forgotten by time. Mm-hmm. The shaggy black dog that my friend's grandmother saw, that was a djinn. The theories are that either the djinn were protecting the cave, or it was playing tricks on the man, or it was all a hoax. But these are solid, hard-working village people. They work to eat, and they don't have any time for silly stories and theories, so the valley started to have a reputation. Mm. Now, my wife and I laugh and take it all with a grain of salt. Nice, interesting story, but that's about all we thought it was. At a bit past midnight, we left to make the one and a half hour drive back to Beirut. Before you continue reading, there were no drugs or alcohol at all involved in this story. We are Muslim, and we cannot drink alcohol or take uh, mind-altering substances. We are both sound of mind. This is not a joke. I'm driving back down these dark, winding roads with only the car headlights lighting our path. About 20 minutes into the drive, I see something ahead of me. The thing is, I'm driving, and this animal is not getting closer to the car despite it walking, uh, seemingly crossing the road. Hmm. The more I move forward, the more I notice that this thing isn't getting closer. Hmm. Then I noticed the wool slash fur, shaggy, ugly, matted wool hanging down its hind legs and rear as it walked. The front was covered in darkness. Even though the headlights were on it, I could not see its head or front legs, just a big, ugly, back end of a shaggy animal. Imagine a car driving forward and an animal crossing in front of it, except the animal is not moving with the car. It was always like 15 feet away, no matter how the road was winding. Hmm. The car keeps moving, and I start to panic a little. What the hell is this thing, and how the hell is it not getting closer? Then it fucking sat on its hind legs like a person. I kept driving, scared at this point, and it still wouldn't move. I couldn't catch up to it. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I thought I was going insane. I tried not to scare my wife, but I was petrified. Then it stood on its hind legs, and I swear to God, it morphed into a human-like figure. Then it disappeared. Nothing but Hmm. blackness was in front of us. I swear to Mm -hmm. God. My wife was like, did you see that? And I noticed that both of us had been looking at it in pure shock and trying not to make the other person notice. Wow. I didn't say anything while I was looking at it. She saw it. I even asked her to describe what she saw, and she repeated what I saw, second by second. I am a grown man, but I was scared in a raw, primal way that I had never felt before. We both felt a deep sense of dread, and both of us couldn't look at the rear view mirror or even behind us until we were on the highway. We felt there was something in the car with us until we reached the highway. Whatever mm. it was, it is very serious about that valley. I am convinced it was listening to us that night, and that it manifested itself because we clearly did not believe my friend. Until this day, we both have never seen anything like it. We told everybody, including the friend we were with. He immediately told us that it's the djinn that appears as a black dog. I will never forget what happened. I saw it as clear as day, and so did my wife. And that is wow. the first little tale I have for you. Nice. Very spooky. Yeah. So, djinn, or gin without the D at the beginning, but still mm-hmm. with two N's. That is what I'm talking about today. Oh, yeah. And because I couldn't find a satisfactory one-stop shopping source for background on them, the following mm-hmm. is shamefully adapted from Wikipedia. <sighs> no shame, no shame. <laughs> uh, it, you know, it's not like it was back when we were in college. It's it's definitely a more... Uh, it's fleshed up, fleshed yeah, out. Flesh-like. Very flesh-like website now. <laughs> the name means... I 200. will say
1: as well, the story about... <laughs> Uh The uh, intro story about the creature in the cave and the guy wandering around and finding it, the Cave of Wonders or whatever. Mm -hmm. Weirdly called to mind a strange movie from 1997, and I'm not talking about Aladdin, I'm (laughs) talking about Passion in the Desert. Anyone out there ever see this movie? Jake, you ever see this movie? Nope. Man, oh man. It was on the uh, IFC Independent Film Channel, I want Uh to say, all the damn time back (laughs) when we had TV when I was a kid it's a weird movie (laughs) that's pretty much all i have to say about it all right (laughs) sounds great there's a uh,
0: there's our plug for uh passion of the desert passion
1: in the desert oops i will send you a screen grab
0: and then cease derailing (laughs) oh wow huh indeed well well there's the cover image for this uh (laughs) this episode (laughs) oh my god yes for when it goes on the old webbing site. Uh, Great.
1: I'm glad I have, as we all do to ourselves, perpetuated my own haunting (laughs) by that movie. Carry on, Jake. You were going to say something about
0: gins. I was. Blue gins. Acid washed gins. (laughs) I think the plural of gin is actually gin. So I'd say something along the lines of uh, gin martini. Uh, You're right, gin and tonic. up with a twist of lime yes um very good anyway the name means to hide <laughs> or to adapt which refers to the fact that jinn are shapeshifters and are also able to turn invisible Hmm, oh, that's cool jinn in general includes the concept of genies whose own etymology mostly came out of specific translations in europe of specific types of gin. um so eventually kind of morphed into the word genie the exact origins of beliefs in jinn are not super clear, but they're pretty pervasive, having begun in pre-Islamic traditions, hmm. uh, but have carried right on through into the Quran itself. There's actually mention of jinn in the Quran. Hmm. Uh, some folks hold that jinn were originally malevolent spirits hanging out in deserts and unclean places who often took the forms of animals. Others hold that they were originally pagan nature deities who gradually got pushed aside as other deities took greater importance. Broadly speaking, they're spirit-type thingies created from what's described as smokeless fire uh, mm. that can range from maybe even benevolent all the way to straight-up evil. Mm. And they they often like to just meddle in human affairs generally, whether that's for, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to the thing about hanging out in impure places, the ghoul is, unless I'm mistaken, considered a type of djinn. Hmm. And as we talked about way back in episode 25, they frequent ruins and graveyards and deserts and stuff. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it tends to be the, the, the darker type of djinn that are in those, those spooky places. Fun fact, djinn are supernatural beings sometimes seen as similar to gods, but they're not immortal. Uh, that mm. means that although they have incredible power, they can be killed in combat. Wow. And you know what else it also means, Wyatt? That they can fuck. That's exactly how... I even put it with like five U's in my notes. <laughs> are you for real? Uh-huh. Uh, they can also eat and sleep and stuff too, but... <laughs> <laughs> jinn were feared because, in addition to just being scary and powerful, mm-hmm. they are also seen as responsible for various diseases and mental illnesses as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some disagreement whether angels and demons are adapted from concepts of jinn, Like if they just became these different entities in stories later on mm. or if they are a totally separate thing but they're pretty fun and cool and most often creepy and scary uh, this is just the opinion of someone who is categorically not an expert in mythology or traditional tales of any sort but jinn to me seem to generally fulfill a similar role to other pagan supernatural entities mm. we're talking fey folk in celtic stuff trolls mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, gnomes and mm-hmm. stuff in a place we're going to cover in three weeks Uh, Any culture's take on a creature or spirit that ranges from dubiously helpful to tricksy or dangerous or mean Uh, seems, at least to me, like they fulfill a similar storytelling role anyway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But Jinn are pretty versatile as far as the roles they play in various stories. They can just be hanging out doing their own thing or lurking in creepy places, like I said before, waiting to fuck up any humans unwise enough to enter their domain. Like demons, they can possess people. They can also be summoned to do someone's bidding. The specific image of them as a genie, the way we understand that term, does seem to come later, I think. Hmm. Um, There's certainly a story about Solomon, you know, that Solomon, King Solomon, um, (laughs) that ends... He's, like, able to control or repel or whatever different djinn using um, gems of different kinds, like a diamond that like keeps this one huh. uh, djinn either doing his bidding or just keeping it away. I can't remember. And then somehow the djinn ends up with it and then takes over, assumes his throne. Then he has to kind of wander around for a while. And then God somehow convinces the djinn to throw it into the ocean, like the diamond into the ocean. Whoa. And then Solomon gets it back and then is able to trap the djinn in a bottle. Because of saying, oh, gin mm. in a bottle seems to come from... Jesus. Wow, it was a big honk. Oh my god, it happened so much here. This intersection, people just lose their fucking minds. Um, <laughs> uh, so that, there's kind of the idea of, of gin in a bottle. And then, of course, in 1001 Nights, we get the story called Aladdin and the Wonderful Lamp. Mm. Uh, weirdly, this particular story was not actually part of the original text of O-T-A-O-N, but was instead added by Antoine Galland when he translated it into French. He, in turn, had been told the story by Antun Yusuf Hana Diab, who is most responsible for the most famous stories in the book, which is uh, Aladdin, as well as Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. Cool. Um, very, very the ri- cool. The original story of Aladdin is actually not terribly dissimilar from the Disney version in just the broad strokes kind of parts of it, but it involves... Talk, talking parrot song, dance <laughs> routine. <laughs> yes, I think Gilbert Gottfried is in the original um, story from way back when, but... Uh, but the original <laughs> also – the original involves two different genies. There's one in a ring. Aladdin has a ring that helps him get out of the cave. And then um, – but he has a lamp that he takes from the cave and then uh, ends up accidentally releasing a more powerful genie from the lamp. And mm-hmm. then the bad guy sorcerer takes that one and then he has to like use one genie to try and undo the bad stuff. It's just like – yeah, it's, it's more convoluted plot-wise than the Disney version. But otherwise, basically the same. Yeah. But anyway, since Damn. our main deal on this show is, is not just talking about stuff and analyzing it with science and stuff, it's also, whenever possible, looking at first-person accounts. And because I was like, hey, Reddit, fun, uh, I have another one Oh, hell to yeah, man. Get with. into it. Please. Um, this one says, when I was about nine, I moved into a new house. Shortly after, I had a dream about the house across the street from me. In the dream, I walked in the front door of the house, looked up a staircase, and saw a tall being with hooves gangly, sinewy legs, and broad, muscular shoulders silhouetted at the top of the stairs. Sounds like a genie to me. I mean (laughs) a (laughs) gin. I I mean Seder. God damn it. Just kidding. (laughs) I was instantly filled with dread, and then I woke up. Uh, Skip forward three years. I became casual friends with the girl, M, who lives in the house from my dream. Uh, These are all just like letter abbreviations. I could have just given pseudonyms. It would have been easier to remember. But the (laughs) girl who lives across the street, her name is M in this story. I'm invited to a sleepover at her house, along with our other neighbor girl slash friend, Jay, and M's mm. cousin, A.
1: Mary and Julie and Al-
0: anna, <laughs> anna Elizabeth. anna uh was visiting with her brother and father from Iran, typical Iranian name, uh, anna Elizabeth, Feth, <laughs> staying with family because their mother had left them and they needed the support oh bummer yep we uh we all do some shopping have dinner and play around at her house and inevitably as inevitably as the evening comes to an end we begin telling quote-unquote true ghost stories and comparing paranormal experiences m translates in farsi for ann elizabeth (laughs) m's mom is also there and is i forgot what you said for m or j but i do remember a for sure mary and julie okay um mary's mom is also there and is casually dismissing everyone's claims as some adults do Then comes my turn, (laughs) casually dismissing, oh, you're full of bullshit. No.
1: Nope, (laughs) it's not
0: true. Turn around. Uh, I begin telling them my dream about her house and how strange it was that I was now there. (laughs) And that the stairs were located in the same place in my dream. I describe the lanky, muscular legs of the silhouetted being I saw and how it filled me with dread. I pause. I hear a soft crying. Glanced around the room and realized Ann Elizabeth is crying and trying to hide it. But <laughs> well, with Mary's a name
1: like that, you're not hiding anything.
0: <laughs> Mary's mom says something to Ann Elizabeth, but this is going to hard to keep up. In Farsi, Ann Elizabeth hesitantly replies. <laughs> uh, hesitantly replies. Um, Mary's mom says, "Did the thing in your dream look like that?" And she points to one of my uh, one of the many decorations on the wall a large round metal engraving depicting men engaged in a struggle with a being eerily similar to the one I experienced in my dream. Shocked, I said, yes. Mary's mom then explains that it's a djinn, how they can only pass through certain types of house house walls, wood but not brick maybe, I can't recall, Hmm. how they can be mean-spirited for the most part, instigators and destructive forces usually. And then Mary translates, explaining that Anna Elizabeth says that she sees them all the time. She mm. says she, she wakes at night to see them curl up on the bed, resting their heads on Mary, mischievously staring at her while she sleeps. Oh, God. And they sometimes bolt around corners when she walks through a house. She says her father has tried multiple times to kill himself because they follow him and her family, and his recent incident as, um, was a result of their cruel-hearted mischief. I didn't sleep that night, nor did I ever spend the night again. Uh, and this is In an edit wow. that she edited on later, side note, I wanted to go home afterward. Mary convinces me to stay. She says, quote, your house is like literally 50 feet away. Don't be a wuss. We eat pizza, talk about other things. Just um, just when I shake the anxiety, I hear a weird tinkling of bells. I stare wide-eyed at Mary whisper, what's that? She leans back on one elbow, eating pepperoni pizza and munches. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, my mom's blessing the house. Uh, she's like kind of like a witch, you know? Uh, her mom, who was a pharmacist <laughs> by profession, who bumped rap music in her Prius, and who once feigned an attempt to contact Kurt Cobain at a seance during a Halloween party just to appease one particularly insistent guest, was indeed a pretty solid lady. The end. <laughs> wow. You could really uh, do the old uh, circular wipe to
1: the end on that one. <laughs> uh-huh. The old bullseye wipe straight into the middle. Yep. Um, <laughs> Wow. A little more classically reddity. y, yes, but that still one cute and fun. Mm-hmm. um and what a creepy experience that would be
0: <laughs> yeah imagine having a dream about a place you've never been and then totally. being invited to go there it looks the same and mm-hmm. you've seen a weird horrible creature there and then oh there it is uh, in a decoration on the wall oh cool nobody likes to see that nobody likes to experience that <laughs> especially when it's that kind of creature it's different when
1: it's like a pile of money and then the people are like here's this pile of money and you're like oh no i dreamt this i have to go <laughs>
0: Um, Well, certainly if it's that stupid Geico pile of money with little eyeballs on top, that's a whole different story. Oh, yeah, the Geico pile of money. Oh,
1: my God. (laughs) Holy shit. This is one of those moments where you have such a recollection that you realize some part of your brain (laughs) has been holding on to this. But it was in such deep storage that essentially only its like invocation would ever pull it out. Like there was no, there was no way that would ever have come back to the surface of conscious thought, shy of it being. I thought you were riffing. I thought you were kidding at first. I was like, no, yeah, haha! If it was voiced by Gilbert Gottfried, oh no, it was real. Well, what you're welcome, and I'm sorry. God damn you. <laughs> but mostly goddamn Affleck and all those guys. Uh huh. Insurance insurance companies have the worst jokes.
0: And also the whole business is kind of a horrible thing to
1: begin with. It's a, oh, yes. That's more <laughs> important. I'm like, I don't mind them bleeding the <laughs> oh, country dry. dry. <laughs> but, the but the commercials, commercials are really thinner. irritating. Yeah. Well, anyway, yes, just like the pile of money, also horrifying, legitimately horrifying, <laughs> <laughs> as it turns out, maybe that could be the image for the show <laughs> yes that's 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 old news
0: now, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this has been the first episode of August around, around the, the world. world. And we have three more. We do. Uh, next week, we're going to be venturing to the Pacific Islands. That's right. We're going to be looking at different stories of uh, any number of different cool Polynesian or otherwise cool stories out in the Pacific. It's going to be neat. You got to join us then. Before you go, please check out the links in our description. We're going to have some relief fund stuff. Red Cross is a big, good one too, but it's it's a little bit more complicated to. To be able to help because mostly what they need is blood and unless you live nearby it's hard to give it but money is also helpful there as well but yes if you are able to help folks in beirut please please do mm-hmm. we are also at a point where we were doing a a merch giveaway thing for folks who were were helping and chipping in in different ways that are are good for good causes and as of today that contest is over and the winners will hopefully have been announced by now we'll announce them on social media if you won, we'll have reached out to you directly, don't worry, so you'll already know. Uh, we're recording mm-hmm, this the mm-hmm. day before it comes out, so for us right now, the contest still has, like, several hours left, um, and no one's won yet, but yeah, we'll we'll get there.
1: And congratulations, person. <laughs> That's right. And thank you for your activities.
0: Uh, uh, we might try a giveaway-type thing like this again sometime soon, but for now, we are going to keep shouting out specific causes to support every single yeah. episode and we'll probably do it like this at the end of the episode because that'll make it easier for you to just kind of bail on listening to us and just follow the link that we have in the description and go exactly. do the thing so <laughs> yeah go do that again this week is lebanon disaster relief and uh yeah thank you for listening thanks so much and see you next week in the pacific islands bye bye